<laughs> advertising is only a short-term strategy. But if you're not providing the right message, even being on the top of the page, it's not going to give you any results or any clicks. You have, have to kind of um, understand what are you presenting? What are you it's giving? One of the things that has to be done in an agency, right? Anybody can sit down and come up with a strategy or this, that, mm -hmm. but putting all those efforts into practice, it also takes an effort. Maintaining that same enthusiasm also takes effort, right? So. It's that time. It's another episode of the Challenge Tunity podcast. I'm Chris Lawson, your host. As usual, I am joined by my co-host who thinks one to three friends is sufficient. Jordan Wolf. Jordan, how are you doing? Where is Jordan Wolf? Why are you hiding? Those of which you were listening don't know what I'm talking about. You were Boo. hiding on video. Boo, there he is. <laughs> well, Jordan, we have, I don't know, a very unique episode today. Um, we recorded an episode uh, earlier in the day with two individuals from the Atrium team who are online advertising specialists. Um, fantastic at their roles. And the entire episode was talking about online advertising. How did you, how did you think it went? What was your take on it? We're slowly clawing our way through our team of very passionate specialists to claw them into our uh, weird side project here at the Challenge Tuning Podcast. But uh, I think, like most people on our team, you know, it's something that they're very aware that we're doing this, and we get to talk all the time about stuff. And I think mm -hmm. they're very eager to do the same. So um, it was awesome to hear different perspectives. In this case, they're both in the same role, but you have two different people coming from two different places, understanding two different ways of approaching it and seeing, you know, that craft in their own light and what they get out of it. So mm. I thought it was great. And I hope the audience uh, that follows us on this podcast really enjoys it. Well, we covered probably 20 to 30 topics within the world of online advertising. Um, obviously, we're not just talking Google Analytics or sorry, you know, Google PPC ads or things like that. Um, it is pretty broad. But yeah, like we talked about, I don't know, AI created ads, their experience, tips and tricks with strategy. Um, I'm kind of looking at my cheat sheet here. There's just, there's a long, some, long some list of things. about the role. Mm, and, and, yep. uh, I really liked how we, we even delved into some of the, the ways that things are very traditional in this sense, like the things that people have been doing in ads since the beginning, as well as things that are brand new and people are adapting to in the role. So. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, no, I think it was a fantastic one. It's 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 pretty long, which is why we would just wanted to make it a very specific ad specialist episode of the Challenge to New podcast. Um, so that being said, drum roll, let's pass it over to the interview, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy because I I think I think there's a lot of takeaways if you're interested in the world of ads. All right. Well, welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking to two very special advertising specialists. Uh, both are from the Atrium team, but uh, bring a wide variety of backgrounds and different areas that they specialize in, as well as what parts of advertising they're passionate about. So I'm going to welcome uh, both our guests today. First, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Hitakshi Shaw, who is an advertising specialist, um, really comes from a a love of the agency world. So I'm sure we're going to kind of learn where that obsession comes from, as well as following trends of big brands, you know, very passionate about uh, keeping on top of those global shifts in what makes up marketing these days. So we'll be able to cover that with Hitachi. And I'd also like to introduce LaRue Legacing. And LaRue is also an advertising specialist on our team at Atrium. And uh, he describes himself as a simple guy who loves ads, but <laughs> in reality, um, I think he has a real good knack for understanding the t connection between businesses and that more human level understanding that's really necessary for advertising. So look forward to uh, seeing where our conversations go today. Welcome to the podcast. Well, we did that at the same time, Thank Jordan. You. Thank you. We said the same line at the same Thank time. You. <laughs> Well, Jordan's absolutely correct. Um, both LaRue and Hitachi are not only very, very good at their jobs, they are very analytical. They love to stay on top of trends and the things that are, um, well, let's just say, you know, they, they like to be cutting edge in the world of being an online advertising specialist. But 
but clients love them as well. Not only because they get them great results, but because they're, they're very personal, they're very caring individuals. And that is a big part of why I think I was excited to have you guys on the podcast. So you guys excited? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, of course. We're excited. Course. Thanks Thank for, for inviting us. us here. Yep. Thank you. You betcha. <laughs> Well, I know today we're going to be covering a whole bunch of different things. Advertising is a very big topic. So um, maybe we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. But, um, you know, one of the advantages, I think, in at least our agency is we get exposed to a whole bunch of different projects and a bunch of different industries and backgrounds and problems we have to solve for them. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe I'll start with Hitachi. You, you've kind of in the intro there mentioning that you're very passionate about the agency world and maybe that was one of the mm. reasons you were attracted to it um you know maybe you can give me yeah. some background about how that's applied to to what you've been working on for the years in your career now that's kind of uh you know i found myself really invested in you know the agency world and digital marketing uh, having said that there's so much going out there um, mm. There are big companies outsourcing their work to big agencies and, you know, collaborating for, um, let's say, like just doing advertising or just doing like uh, traditional marketing, but they're all collaborating. There is such a big network uh, that when we deep, you know, when we dive deep into this, we get to know like there's such a big network within um, each department of digital marketing. And I think like it's always interesting to know how people deal with, you know, big clients or when you hear about like big brands, how do you work with that? Like, mm -hmm. how do you kind of talk to someone who is on the top level, who's like, you know, um, not just the manager, but like, you know, in the CEO or the CFOs, how do you deal with them? But I think that's kind of a fun point where you kind of understand the big game out there. And uh, there's a lot of learning because you're not just uh, doing what you're really good at, but you're also understanding that what you're already good at, there's al always a best out of that. So yeah. I feel like there's there's really so much in the agency world and uh, everyone wants to make a name. Every, every um, agency out there is fighting against each other or trying to, you know, have a, have a no. bigger name, uh, to try to <laughs> collaborate. <laughs> no way. Right. Like, but yeah, but, but it's, it's so interesting. I just find it really interesting. Yeah. Now that can also be the kind of double-edged sword though. You've got, when you're a client side, mm -hmm. you might be just working for one boss and one company and you have to understand one audience and one industry. Mm -hmm. uh, but in an agency, at least in our agency, we don't specialize in any industry. So you get to see a whole yeah. bunch of different things. A um, whole maybe bunch what are some of the things, upsides yeah. and, and downsides of that for you. Um, I've seen the upsides too many. Uh, it's one thing that you don't restrict yourself with one industry. You don't restrict yourself with just thinking about, okay, let's say how real estate industry is working. You just don't restrict yourself with that. You work with so many different industries. You work with finance, you work with health and services, you work with, you know, a restaurant and food. And it's some industries are like so informative and some are like so fun. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of realize one thing that I've realized is uh, not one thing does not fit for everything. You know, one shoe does not fit all size kind of thing. Um, and that is something really good. That is something really good to take out of it. And you have to keep an open mind in it. You know, you can't put something that worked in real estate under a different industry. But um, that's where people make error. That's where, you know, I've made errors uh, mm -hmm. where I've tried to think about like, you know, um, I did something like this for the restaurant that I worked for. Um, maybe I can do this for this finance company. But uh, guess what? No, uh, you cannot do that. So these are like kind of pros and cons. I love I love that you brought up the topic of errors because that is the number one thing I love about digital marketing over say traditional marketing mm -hmm. or anything else. I mean, imagine, imagine you're that company that's spending tens of thousands of dollars and you're investing in, I don't know, that billboard on a certain street or, you know, um, I don't know, at a hockey game, there's a certain advertisement that you're putting on the boards or during a commercial break or whatever. All you're relying on is the viewership or the number of people going by that, that sign on their drive to work or whatever, right? It's pretty high risk. But with digital marketing, 
first of all, it's not a start it and it's yeah. perfect thing. You have to refine, but it's in the data analysis of the successes and the failures that enable you to get yourself slowly to the point where you have a streamlined, you know, um, funnel or whatever you want to call it. Right. So yeah. I love, I love that you allow yourself to make mistakes you know, within a, a, re, a certain amount. I, I think it's important. Yeah. And there's so many changes in the industry too. There's new technology, new techniques, new networks coming out there. And, you know, as much as data is fantastic, if you have it, you don't always have it. Sometimes you got to try something for the first time and see how it works. Um, now, LaRue, I know you've uh, come from a little bit more e-commerce before us. You've had some yeah. experience in different elements. Now you've had a lot more exposure to a whole bunch of different things, um, including new technologies and new techniques that you mm -hmm. hadn't worked with before. You know, like when you look at those things and you look at trends that are happening, like how, are you, how do you approach a new opportunity? I think one of the biggest things I always tell myself, like every day before work and after work is you always have to be adaptable. I have to always adapt to mm. what's next, what's happening. I always have to be on my feet because the last thing a client wants is to find you flat-footed and you not know the answers or not even know what the next step is, right? So even when we have new changes, let's say on one of the best things to do is just try and research, just keep yourself immersed or understanding what is going on. And also understanding you can take bits and pieces of, uh, other strategies and put them in different uh, industries in itself, right? So being that adaptive and also just being quick on your feet and also just taking time to, because sometimes people will think that marketing is always fast paced. Sometimes you just need to hit the brakes and just sit down and just mm -hmm. figure it out. There's been many times <laughs> where I've, I've told Hitachi first thing in the morning, like I had an idea in the shower. This I know this is going to work for mm -hmm. this client. And it does work, right? Sometimes it's just one keyword that changes everything and it starts a whole new idea and just being that adaptive. And sometimes you need to immerse yourself. Sometimes you need to just step back and mm -hmm. just figure strategies, right? Just being able to pivot in that sense is always, um, is always helpful. And I think also the way I think is always in the sports mentality, right? I've always played sports one way or another is always being adaptable. Sometimes it's not always a one- Sometimes I learn things from Hitachi and I'm like, take tidbits, see how I understand it, mold it in the way I know it, and then just put it to practice, right? If there's a mistake, there's a mistake, but step back, understand what ways to do it, and then step forth, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the client doesn't want 100% like, yeah, this is going to happen, right? Sometimes you just need to like either stroke their ego or just cool down the... <laughs> yep. cool down the client, right? This is... You don't necessarily have to use, you just have to use certain buzzwords, right? You just be you able do. to tell them like, be fine, right? One way or another. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this then. Would you say adaptability is a skill set or a mindset? I'll say mindset. Yeah. Because if, if you're not practicing that throughout just your personal life and it's in you, it's pretty hard because these if you're just used to routine over and over again, it doesn't build that adaptability, right? It has to be in you. It has to be, you have to be willing to push yourself to get out of your comfort zone one way or another, or sometimes even know when to step into your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody thinks that it's, there's certain tips and tricks that you can do to get yourself to be adaptable or learn different things. But sometimes you just, you have to live it. You have to be able to have that mindset live that way to to have those those things in you and just ingrain them in you yeah that's good yeah no i think there's no one way to do advertising that's <laughs> been my experience and i'm sure you know everybody loves those questions about like oh well, look what's the winning strategy how do you do this job and, and guarantee success but I don't think I that that's something that you can really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be really easy for us and also horrible wish. at the same time. We'd have I'd no sell so many books. <laughs> but we do. We do all have our own secret recipes. The things that we like, like you know, when somebody says, "Oh, what's the secret to your cheesecake?" and they're like, "Well, actually, I put a little bit of sepper in there," and that's their thing. So, what what are your guys' secret recipes? Like, how do you stay on top of the uh, the ad strategy, and, and how do you view that? That's mm, for good both. question. Are you guys um, going to arm wrestle over who's say... got the best the best strategy tip here? 
No, we always collaborate. So I've learned so many things from Larue. I, I'm not going to lie that things that I've not ever thought of and same goes for him. I, I, I hope he says that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I feel like the two important things that I kind of play around with is, is the psychology. Um, a lot of time I play around with the money aspect of it. Um, if, you know, certain clients come up with certain budget, I, I really want to make sure that I'm kind of providing them a re good return uh, and, you know, kind, kind of using that money in a good way. So that comes that that is something that I kind of keep in mind that, OK, if certain client have certain budget, then how am I supposed to use it in a way that I can optimize them in a in a in a good way, you know, can make them get some good business out of it. Uh, and the second is, how can I use a better platform for this strategy? And I'm I'm a lot into creating strategies, so I kind of brainstorm a lot of ideas. I kind of think I juggle with thoughts like, if I have to do this, is there something better I can do uh, in order to use that money and in order to get a good return on you know investment for the client? Mm -hmm. So for what me, I'm, two major thing is like optimizing it. What I'm hearing from that is like, it's really easy to, especially as an advertising specialist, you, you have other specialists that might focus just on one network, for example, like they're really good at, mm -hmm. you know, TikTok ads or Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have a problem where maybe you're looking at every problem through that lens. And, you know, it's like the, when, when you're a hammer, every, every problem's a nail kind of thing. So um, the, uh, that, that I think is a good skill to kind of think about mm -hmm. different ways to solve problems with different tools in your toolkit. One of the things it's that's really important. It is. One of the things yeah. that I've seen with Hitachi that she does that I do as well, just not in the same scale, is she goes into what's called our collaborative room, which is literally a room full of whiteboards. Every wall is a whiteboard. And she maps everything out with with, you know, whiteboard markers or whatever. And She'll leave it there for days, which is kind of funny. But the reality is, <laughs> is it, yeah, you can see what's like in her brain on the whiteboard. But she maps every single thing out and sits back and thinks on it and chews on the marker and then goes back to the whiteboard and writes a little bit more and sits back, chews on the marker. And just the digestion of what she's looking at helps her to refine. Sometimes visuals is a very important step mm -hmm. in creating an ad strategy or, or social strategy or any kind of strategy. I thought you were about to say that the, the digestion of the marker that she's chewing on is important. Mm. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We'll see. I don't I've do seen that. it chew on a couple. <laughs> I don't do now that. that. <laughs> we are short on markers now that we talk yeah. about it. How about, how about you, oh, Lurie, your secret sauce? Uh, my secret sauce is, number one, when it comes to budgeting, I think of the money as mine. If I don't think it's mine, I you don't you tend to not take it serious is not the word that i'm looking for but there's no um like a sense of putting urgency? yourself in those yeah there's no sense of urgency right so if i think mm. of it i look at it and i like putting myself in that right um hitachi has seen me a couple of times i think even jordan where i like spewing everything on the table and getting all the ideas out and sometimes i just don't need anybody to just give me feedback i'll make all the budget strategies that i need and i'll just be like this makes sense right because I need that uh that affirm the reaffirming basically all the information that i put on the table makes sense it's not necessarily i need like a good job i just need someone to be like yeah that makes sense and mm -hmm. then that's when i can pick everything and put it together and then when it comes to strategies uh for let's say ads and everything i kind of more in my head i keep it all in my head i think of first of all i think of the worst possible situation that could happen and then the best and then i try to figure out okay what's the happy medium that we can start off with and what building blocks can we put on top of that there was a there was a wise man who told me that you know <laughs> i take the surfer <laughs> and i'm always looking for the big waves right so it's always looking at things like that just sitting down and just spewing everything that I need and all the basically looking at the toolkit that I have and figuring out, okay, mm -hmm. this is for, for the client. This is how they are. This is their personality. And just going from there, right? Putting myself in 
the person's shoes on like what they see as excess as a success or failure and just putting putting my efforts into it right trying everything that i can you know no there's one thing i've learned about you over time uh is that you also take kind of personal development and learning crafts and becoming better not only in the job but that personally but what what are some lessons you've picked up while being an ad specialist that uh you know really impacted you like things you've learned on on the job or even personally that have changed changed how you view things um i never thought there'd be a job that can actually keep my mind stimulated that much because i'm always thinking one way or another right so I've realized that I'm able to, one of the things I've had to do is definitely control like my thoughts and put them in buckets and ideas because I can come up with a billion ideas, but putting everything to practice is one of the things that has to be done in an agency, right? Anybody can sit down and come up with a strategy or this, that, mm -hmm. but putting all those efforts into practice it also takes an effort. Maintaining that same enthusiasm also takes effort, right? So one of the things that I have um, developed is that adaptability, right? Sometimes we come in and we, sometimes it's just a hard, it's a hard day to be able to get that motivation going sometimes. And sometimes you just have to add a little bit of a fun factor to it, right? In my head, sometimes I think, okay, the bounce rate is at 70%. I need to get it to 50. How are we going to do it? Let's make it a game mentally let's make it a mm. game we'll keep checking it we'll keep looking at the search terms one way or another there has to be something right and mm. sometimes like i said just sometimes i'll pull hitachi in and i'll say the craziest things and sometimes it sticks and sometimes it doesn't right but <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things. <laughs> it's um it's collaboration yeah, it's collaboration. collaboration. That's the biggest thing that I've learned in um, in agency life. And I remember Chris saying, like, you won't get bored. One, That's one thing that's guaranteed. There's always something happening. So LaRue was just talking about how, you know, picking up new skills and learning to be a little bit more adaptable and kind of learning on the go and, you know, how that can be quite dynamic. Um, analytics has become a bigger and bigger part of this job. I've seen this happen way back from the Mad Men days of advertising, which was all about creative direction and sitting in a room and drawing things and sketching ideas out, which is still there. But now you've also got responsibilities around understanding data and hacks things. And more recently, even the transition of, you know, tag manager and analytics and how that impacts um, the growth and, and development of this, this skill set. So I know Hitachi, you've seen that change in real time. Um, you know, how do you adapt to things like analytics and, and the importance of it? I think uh, I would say the secret sauce to this is kind of focusing on things that really matters uh, mm -hmm. in order to measure the success. Um, and having said that, if you open analytics right now, you're going to see so many numbers. You're going to see so many options. You're going to be like, okay, what am I seeing here? Same thing with Google Ads itself, right? You see so many numbers all the time that even if you put certain, let's say for certain date range and you'll be like what am i supposed to focus on but if you have that strategy in your head that okay this is what i'm looking into i'm looking into how many people did actually visit my site that is something my focus is and once you kind of understand what you want to focus on that helps you analyze these numbers even in a better way and kind of understand so many numbers out there uh even for someone who knows analytics or someone who knows Google Ads, it's kind of sometimes becomes overwhelming to understand these many numbers. Uh, mm. But once you know what you want to focus on, once you know that this matters to you at this mm. point, then I think this is, uh, it, it becomes really helpful. And I feel analytics has really good pros um, of like understanding the user journey uh, from the point where you want to you know, want them to click on your ad, go on your website, and okay, they're going, they're browsing the website, they're going on this and this landing page. You can go back to your client saying like, they're spending more time on this landing page. Uh, did you make sure that this has all the information that it needs? So it gives you so many information that are really helpful, not just for advertiser, but also for the client uh, in order to improve their business, in order to improve that, you know, user experience overall. 
I think that buyer's journey is a yeah. great framework to use in a lot of different disciplines, advertising, yep. especially. And, and yep. I think you're bang on as that's a good tool to pick a point of reference in that journey, then look at data that relates yeah. to that specific point and look out from there. And you can look backwards, mm -hmm. you can look forward, yeah. but it gives you somewhere a frame of reference to start from. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also number game. So it always has been numbers of, you know, when I got into advertising, uh, I did not know it's going to be so many numbers. I'm going to, I'm would, not would going to lie. I, I was. Would you go, go as far yeah. as saying that how well you are or how, how would I say that? The better the advertising specialist, the better they understand how to utilize analytics. Or the other way around, the better so that an ad specialist understands analytics, the better they can be at their job. Would you say that's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, numbers. I feel like I've I've kind of believed in this. Numbers don't lie, uh, unless you have wrong tagging. Uh, <laughs> but uh, numbers don't lie. <laughs> you have to follow the data. You have to follow it. Like you have to believe in it. There's always something wrong or there's always something really right that you're doing, which is working really good for you. There's always something that's actually not working good for you. So mm. for an advertiser, in order to understand this numbers, you need to be, you know, you need to be smart enough to like understand like, okay, if this numbers are going down since last two weeks, why is it happening? Mm -hmm. If I'm not able to understand those numbers, then I'm not going to be successful with the campaigns that I'm going to be mm -hmm. doing. What's What's your take on that comment, Larue? On you know, the better you understand analytics, the better the ad specialist will be. Yeah, um, because sometimes um, success is measured in different ways, right? And that can always be seen in the data, where maybe bounce rates are through the roof and you may not be understanding why is that, but sometimes like um, Jordan was mentioning about the buyer's journey is maybe the land, something's wrong with the landing page. The ad itself can be perfect, but if yep. they're coming on to a website or a landing page that isn't helping with the user experience, most people just leave, right? And that's certain things that it's always the little details that, that always come. It's mm -hmm. always the details. And it's also part and parcel with the user experience, right? We always talk about just um, the ad side, making things look pretty, make them sound pretty. But it's also sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and look at yep. the data, you sit down, look at the numbers, and there's always a trail somewhere, somehow, right? And it's sometimes you're working from the buyer's perspective, sometimes you're looking from the advertiser's perspective, but there's always a trail somewhere mm -hmm. that will these the weak points in there. Well, and and Jordan, I'll throw it over to you next because the the reality when we talk about analytics, we instantly in our brain go Google Analytics, right? But mm. a lot of the time it's things like heat mapping, videos mm. of users and and the actual user experience that's occurring on the website. So I, I think, you know, given that you kind of also oversee the CRO part of our ads team, um, I'd love to you, you know, throw it over to you and just have you comment on that. I think it's essential. Analytics, good. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, no, there's a lot of data out there that you can measure just about anything digitally these days, which is fantastic. Um, but like Hitachi was referencing earlier, you can also get lost in that. Like it's a forest yeah. of just numbers. It looks like the matrix and just things streaming down in front of you. And unless you know the context of it, um, you're kind of lost. So the, the context is the important skill set to learn is to know what these numbers mean, what they re represent in the real world, because on a sheet or a spreadsheet, uh, they're, they're kind of meaningless. So these tools and these software, they add up. Some of them specialize in different areas and you get different pieces of data. And you've got to learn how to connect those dots and where they're relevant and where they're not. Sometimes you you know might make a conclusion with data alone that really doesn't map to reality. So you know, heat mapping is a great way to actually check raw data. So you might see a high bounce rate, but when you actually do a heat map or you do a, mm -hmm. you know, a visitor recording of that page, you can kind of go like, well, why is that bounce rate? Is it because the design is bad? Is it because the button doesn't work? You know, those are two different solutions you would have to come to. You could either redesign that page because you thought it was bad design when really it's just like people are trying to click this button. I can tell mm -hmm. 
but they're not going anywhere afterwards. Maybe yeah. check to make sure the button works. Oh, it doesn't work. Maybe I don't need to redesign the whole page. I just <laughs> fixed the button. So same numbers that got you to start that investigation, but different tools made you completely change how you might approach the solution to it. Well, let's let's pivot slightly because there is an, um, an adaptation and uh, an evolution, maybe is a better word, to the advertising industry right now where we have things like AI and you know, out of home ads I mean, you know, live ads that are hitting bus stops and things like that. Um, you guys are laughing because I know Hitachi, this is a huge passion of yours. So I'm going to give you the microphone for a minute. Where are we today? And where do you see this going when it comes to the impact of real people in the, in the day-to-day world? Um, as you would say, there are two things here. <laughs> mm, I do one say that. Is, uh, <laughs> one is we're in a we're in a large transition stage right now where there's a lot thrown at us as of now. When I say a lot, I mean a lot that is coming up. Uh, we see the wave changing. We are seeing the shift in the industry. Uh, we also see that a lot of companies, a lot of agencies are trying to keep up with it. And we also see that a lot of agencies are not keeping up with it. But I feel like things are going to change in a couple of years coming up. Uh, when you say out of home ads, there are big players out there who are kind of putting their foot down in that area. And they're doing really amazing when you see those augmented reality ads on you know uh, Times Square or you know all all those digital billboards and it's a yeah. big thing in on a global scale where you know I I see I come across a couple of ads you know coming in Japan or like you know in the US and they're really fancy and it's kind of a merger I would say with traditional marketing that used to be there. Uh, you know, those billboards, um, you used to see that billboard, you used to remember, oh, that corner has that billboard. Well, things are going to change. That billboard is going to change every minute. It's going to change every hour because you have the control now. The advertiser is going to have live control over what the ad is going to show up at the afternoon, maybe at the night. It's going to be a concert ad going up there. So, Mm-hmm. things are going to change and I feel the out of home is going to be interesting. Uh, it's also going to be involved with all the streaming services that's going on. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of collaboration happening where people are, because everyone has a smart TV now. Um, they're going to come across ads. Um, they like it or not, but I feel like um, it's a smart way of uh, targeting audience because you're trying to play with the psychology of them. People are going home Everyone is stuck in traffic. They're slowing down at this, uh, uh, you know, particular street. Well, what are they going to do while sitting and looking at the billboards? So, you know, well, it's, it's funny. It's funny you say that because it's all based on information and data. It's all inputs and outputs. Yeah. So, you know, everyone has a phone. People can tell that traffic yeah. is slowing down. You go on your Google Maps. You can avoid those routes. That's data that is accessible. Mm-hmm through APIs to companies who have digital billboards, no different than your smart TV. You know, it knows when you're watching TV, it knows how often you're watching, it knows what shows you're watching and so on and so forth. All that data that your Netflix or Apple or whatever is grabbing is going somewhere. So it's, it's, it's wild. It's not just advertisers throwing things in front of people. It's the collection yeah. of data that gives us specific KPIs that enable us to target audiences based on things that we're receiving for relevancy for the audience. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's and scary. It's, it's so much fun. It's, uh, it's so much fun to know that those <laughs> things, you know, I try to target like, you know, let's say families, if I'm doing certain ads and I'm trying to target couples or like family people, uh, my ad shows up on a cartoon channel. My ad is going to show up on like YouTube channel, which has like uh, games for kids and like videos for kids. But I know that their family is there. People who are like, uh, who have family, who are a couple, they're watching this with their kids. So, you know, I get so many information from this uh, data that, you know, we have now. And I feel like this is going to go immense uh, going forward with AI coming in and uh, with Google making so many changes, with digital world making so many changes. Yeah. 
And I could yeah. see things becoming can... a little bit more personalized too. Like the mm -hmm. ads are just going to be more personalized because I keep seeing Uber Eats ads and I'm like, they keep sucking me in. And I'm like, whoever's doing this, they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how many, yeah. how I love, I love watching Instagram, um, you know, reels or whatever, where these, these women are joking, but it's not a joke. You know, they're going to their husbands or their boyfriend's cell phones and they're talking about engagement rings oh, and, you know, oh. you know, best, best, you know, I don't know, products of this specific type near me. And, and they're trying to influence the buying behavior of their boyfriends. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to be sitting there watching Netflix and all of a sudden you're going to have diamond ring commercials showing up and they're going to be nudging, you know, like, see, see, <laughs> the universe is telling you. <laughs> the one I find yeah. really interesting now is the whole AI created um, ads. Because mm. oh, yeah. I think I think it's going to be a nice, interesting battle. You know, this is where I can nerd out a little bit where um I think it's going to be a much more vicious um, battle because now there's money in it, right? I think Google is going to have a couple tricks up their sleeves when it comes to indexing some of these things and actually putting a hold on maybe some of the ads that are generated maybe from outside competitors when it comes to mm -hmm. um, ads that are generated maybe not using their AI platforms that they've um, they've recently announced so that should be that should be an interesting one on on that end which i'm keeping a close eye on that to see how that's going to affect uh google ads on that yeah. everything's going to change yeah yeah now i know we we've talked a lot about technology here and the shift in the industry but some things are also still very true that have always been there um mm -hmm. i know this is a very personal human business, like understanding psychology and elements like that is, is still fundamental to being good at this job. Um, you know, how do you both apply, you know, bits of psychology into the work that you do? Let's start with you, LaRue. Um, yeah. I actually have an interesting story. There was um, a jewelry company that um, we're running ads for and we're running uh, Facebook ads, but when it came to targeting, I was torn either with either targeting men or targeting women because you can target the women because it's a product that is going to be more centered around them. But when it comes to the men, they're the ones making the purchase one mm. way or another. Such a big, um, big event on that scale, right? So sometimes it's the psychology of understanding maybe who's making the final decision depend uh instead of who is maybe just looking at and maybe browsing uh the product on that end right so it's always a push and pull type thing where you have to kind of understand that okay maybe if it's jewelry depending on what it is if it's wedding and wedding or engagement rings maybe i'll be more weighted to men because they're the ones making the purchase whereas if it's like collections and maybe little smaller items that aren't as big ticket items you can help a little bit more broader or more centered to women on that end right just because of it's such a big decision to make right and that decision falls on a party that's probably not looking for these things it's mm -hmm. only the only when uh, it comes at a certain time, right? So you kind of have to also put yourself in that in that person's shoes, which some, it, it got a little. I got a little nervous in there, where you have to <laughs> wedding rings and figure out, okay, would I make this item and stuff like that. So it's it's psychology plays a really really big part when it comes to um, when it comes to ads and definitely when it comes to targeting. Yeah. How about you, Hitachi? Yeah, that's. Uh, one thing that LaRue said was like this psychology thing about, you know, who are you targeting to, who's going to be the, the end buyer to it is important stuff. Uh, but the point that, you know, I really want to highlight is, uh, the location of the target audience. I feel like having done advertising globally now doing some ads in us, doing some ads in UK, I feel like, you know, the, the location also affects uh, the user experience and the behavior of these audience. Like I've seen a couple of areas uh, in different location where the ads won't work because people are too busy. People are just too busy with work. They're not, yeah. they're not the suitable audience. So I feel understanding where they're located 
is super important. I've also, you can spend thousands, thousands of money in an area with, with, which is not populated, which is not going to actually convert because they don't have logistics available to them. They're not going to yeah. make the decision. They're going to come across to your ad, but well, they're not going to have the delivery in like next three days. So what are they going to do? They're just going to go to the local store and just going to buy it. So I feel like understanding those tiny bits of the location importance is really important to um, invest your money uh, sensibly. And, you know, just understanding if I'm doing, uh, I could say that, oh, I want to expand my business in other province, but well, how settled are you in that province? Uh, mm -hmm. Is your audience even there? You know, um, do you have a competition which is really good over there? So just understanding the target location is uh, really important to also understand the psychology of the audience that you have. No, I know we've covered quite a bit here over the last couple, you know, several minutes here talking about the life of an advertising specialist and how that applies. And this is actually fairly new for our podcast, having, you know, these specialist deep dives and, and yeah. you know, it's really entertaining to, to both see different perspectives. And for the first time, we've had two <laughs> here at the same time. So this is really mm -hmm. a, an interesting dynamic. But one thing we did before that was quite fun was looking at things that might be misconceptions or things that are not quite true or might be, you know, um, people think about the, this particular role or what it's like to be in this role. But uh, maybe we can cover some of those and... Uh, I know, Chris, you're you're on the front lines quite often. You you get exposed to some that's true when you're talking to new clients. That's true. I, I what a lot of people don't know watching this podcast is although Larue is an advertising specialist, he's also the producer <laughs> slash editor of the Challenge Tunity podcast. So this is where Larue going to call this a new segment called advertising misunderstandings and we will have a i don't know maybe we'll create like a whoosh or a or a thing here like some kind of like i don't know new segment da, 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 da. but or a really um, advanced animation that you can maybe handcraft that gets right yeah. on top of here that yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh no pressure um yeah, yeah so we kind of thought I, there was three misconceptions that we hear every single week specifically from prospects, you know, potential clients that are talking to us, wanting us to do ads. And we often have to re-educate them on certain things. I'm going to just make a statement. Obviously, they're all false, but I'm going to make a statement and I would love to hear your take on it. So you ready? Number one. Yeah, we are. <laughs> advertising is only a short-term strategy. Ooh, we got the big X. <laughs> All right, Larue. Why? Why is advertising only? Is why are you saying it's not only a short-term strategy? Um, it's also dependent on the industry you're in. Yeah. If let's say you are in uh, fashion, it could be your only strategy to have short-term, uh, a short-term strategy in the sense of maybe you always have sales, you always have um, the seasonality when it comes to uh, your industry on that end. So. It's all dependent on your your industry, but as a whole, I don't even I think the a short term strategy wouldn't benefit your your business as a whole because you also need longer term ads that just even give brand awareness on just that 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 scale, right? Because people need to know who you are. But if every time you're chopping and changing uh, different strategies, it's not it's not going to help you at all. I always tell people that it's all about measurement. So if you understand your cost per acquisition and you know the lifetime value of your customer, it can not only be a short-term, it can be a mid and long-term strategy if you've locked that down to the point where you're just printing money. It might not be you know, the marketing channel or the part of your marketing mix that has the highest you know, conversion rate or might not have the highest um, value, but the reality is, if it's making you money, it can also be a long-term strategy. All right, let's go to the next one. I'll throw this one to you, Hitakshi. Top placement means higher conversions. True or false? Nah. Nah, why? Why? <laughs> Again. Why? Rip it apart. Again. Uh, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> people are smart now. Uh, mm. They're not always on you know edge on just clicking the first thing that they see. They're smart enough to scroll. Uh, they're smart enough to see that, oh, this is an ad. I don't want to click on this because I'm going to be 
you know, barged in with a lot of ads on my Instagram and Facebook. I feel like if you are being more relevant and if you have the right information that they're looking for, and if kind of have done it really well, even if you are on the third or fourth, they're going to click on you. They're going to click on you because you touch the exact point that they want you to touch on. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously people do fight to be on the top of the page. They won't always want to be ahead of the competition, which is correct. There's no harm in doing that. Obviously you want to be in the front of the eye, but if you're not providing the right message, even being on the top of the page, it's not going to give you any results or any clicks. You mm -hmm. have, have to kind of um, understand what are you presenting? What are you giving? People are getting smart now. So people know what they're looking for. They do not want to waste their time anymore. Well, they've always been smart. They're just more educated at auction. Just saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> anybody else okay. hear the thunder like i'm sure our thought leaders think I that know. you know or our thought leaders our listeners oh there's like thunder rattling the building right now um this one will be for the two of you you guys can arm wrestle this um only or pay-per-click ads only if you rank poorly organically i guess that'll be Should you run PPC ads only if you rank poorly? No, no. Of course no. Is... Of course no. No, no. You don't want to do that. I mean, you here's the thing I've that. always I've always thought about this is, um, let's say you you're 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 targeting very specific keywords and you are dominating organically in all of those. You're ranked number one, number two. Let's just say number one for the sake of this discussion. If you also are running an ad, you have double the impressions, double the exposure. You're also grabbing a larger percentage of the screen. Psychologically, what happens with individuals who are searching is they instantly might skip over the ad, but the second that they see you, they've seen you twice and they think you're a major player. They psychologically think that you deserve to be there and they instantly are going to click on it. And that's, that's, the, that's the misconception. Um, go for it. Also, like if I think about the same thing that you said from the algorithm point of view, if my website is doing amazing, if I'm ranking really good organically, I'm putting all the important keywords in my SEO, and then if I'm running ads, I don't have to pay too much to rank on the top of the page because algorithm is going to know that, you know, this website has everything the user is asking for. My bidding, you know, for people who don't know this, but for when you you know try to for a keyword you're kind of bidding for that uh, with other competition out there so when you're trying to do bidding and my website has a good quality score i don't have to bid that much and i'm just going to be on the top of the page you're saving money over there so i feel like that's just how you play around with the algorithm that's why anytime we do ads we also make sure that the client has a good website they have all the relevant information because relevance is a major key to be on the top of the page organically or in terms of like inorganic just just being there as a paid ad yeah and i think from a strategy level like obviously i know where that question comes from there's a very common strategy to use advertising as a bridging towards getting organic. So if you're working on your organic ranking, it's obviously the end goal to be number one. But if you're starting from way in the back, you know, your 10th page, um, it's a slog to get all the way to the top of the first page. That could be months or, or longer before you see that happen. Mm -hmm. So putting all that effort in and putting that investment in can be even more difficult if you don't have business coming in at all in the meantime, while you try to get there. So you know, paying for the PPC spot can be a great way to do that. That being said, once you do get the top, that's where all the things we were just talking about come into play. You change that strategy. It's not about, you know, filling that gap. It's more about like taking up the visual real estate and getting more market share, preventing your competition from being there, maximizing the value of that, that asset yep. with your advertising strategy. And sometimes it's not the best idea to have it there, but it's certainly not a bad idea to have it there. Well, I think you bring up a good point, Jordan, because, you know, when you are the dominant player in the market, you've got you've you've captured majority of the market, like the, from a percentage perspective, right? You've got most of the market share. So in order for you to grab another one percent, it is those small little tactics that's going to do that. So if you're paying for a top placement in a PPC ad, 
what you're also doing is you're ensuring that your competition is not, right? They're in the second. And the third is now pushed down to the bottom or whatever the case might be. So um, it can be a part of your strategy. Well, I know it doesn't feel like it, but it's it's been a it's been about 45 minutes of talking about ads. It's been a lot of fun. Well, LaRue, Hitachi, we want to say thank you. I know we see you a lot, but uh, not in the context of the Challenge Tunity podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time here today. And um, hopefully we'll have both you or, or, or one of you at different times back on the show in the future. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was really, you know, yeah, this was really good. This was, uh, we can do this all day as Captain America would say, I can do this all day, but, um, (laughs) does he say that (laughs) he does all the time. I can do this all day. Uh, but yeah, me and Lou can talk about ads and even Jordan and then comes the strategy and Chris, you too. We can talk about this for like so long and long and long, but I feel like we've covered so many important things here and uh, we really like the questions that you threw on us. But, but yeah, we it had a good time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Awesome. And Thanks, as guys. The, as the ads team, we always like signing out by saying one thing. Ads are not on fire. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Mike drop LaRue. <laughs>Wow. Well, that was, that was a lot that we covered in that interview. Um, thanks to Hitachi and LaRue from our team. Obviously, they spent a lot of hours, you know, uh, this week talking about topics they wanted to cover and, and um, obviously recording and all that kind of stuff. Very much appreciated. Hopefully, anyone who's listening to that or to this episode um, sees a lot of value in it as well. Um, personally, I loved hearing a lot about things like you know, out of home ads and things like that, that are not necessarily on the cuff of what we talk about at the, at the agency level every single day. Um, how'd you find that it went Jordan? what do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, we're trying new things here at the, the podcast, getting different types of perspectives from different groups of people, uh, still trying to make sure that is relevant to, you know, business owners or marketing professionals that might be really following us on a regular basis, but giving different takes from different perspectives, I think is a really important thing for us to try and try and do. So again, if you're going to be, um, joining us on the podcast regularly or sharing this with friends, um, this is a good, good opportunity to give us some feedback as well. And, uh, as the audience grows, um, speaking of which, if you want to uh, obviously subscribe um, or follow us on any of your podcatchers, we were on you know Spotify and iTunes and all the big ones. Uh, you also be sure, of course, to follow us on YouTube if you like video. Um, mm-hmm. We record these in video if you're hearing it, um, so you can get to see our questionably attractive faces. I don't know if that's what you're into. That's not um, for us to say, Jordan. That's for the I know it's not to that's say. Not. That's for the comment section in there. Brutal. But <laughs> we uh, do want to be making sure that uh, if you are following us, comment, share, anything you can do. There's bells to click and all that stuff. Be sure you do it. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you on the next podcast episode. Cheers.